Oi oi, Cocker's here again. Been a while, isn't it? Um, been doing a couple of things. I've done uh, a couple of podcasts for Brentford when we had our uh, FA Cup run in the late 80s. So I've done a few hours podcast for Be Sotted. I'll, I'll do the link with my one as we go on. Secondly, a few shout outs. It's been amazing. Um, some of you don't know, or a lot of you don't know, I run Brentford Penguins FC, which is a Down Syndrome football club that I'm very proud of. You know, at this moment in time, a few of the kids have been struggling. I get a shout out from one of the mums, Nat, who I love, Natalie O'Rourke. Her son is is Woody. Um, and I met him last week for the first time and we've done a few hours training session together, which was amazing to see, to see him again, which was thank you to Natalie for trusting me uh, with Woody again in these times. Um, and from that, I just want to say a big shout out to, to people that have commented. Um, Lee Coleman, a firefighter friend of me, of mine, at Sammy Glatzall, my ex-captain, and Kevin Black, my ex-captain at, at UCL. Thanks, guys, for your lovely comments. Eunice Nabil, who was a great player for me at Chertsey. A lovely lad, thank you for that. And obviously Dr G who was outside of the professional game, probably one of the best goal scorers I've ever had the, the privilege to manage at UCL. Uh, thank you for all your kind words. And finally, Nigel Templeman, a Brentford supporter who's out in the USA. I was out in the USA for quite, quite a while and I've spoken to him out there, but happened to write an absolutely, I mean, just to write the whole message that you did, mate. Um, thank you, very humbled by that. Uh, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, thanks to everybody. Uh, it's been a it's been a weird weird few weeks. So, and now uh, just <laughs> on to lighter moments. Recapping on uh, my mate Teacher Ted. If you remember those of you following the podcast, uh, Teacher Ted that then had such a bad performance on the podcast was was demoted to uh, Toilet Ted. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, things haven't gone too good in the toilet department. He's now been finally sacked from the school for many, many reasons that we won't go into. Um, and now he's, he's started his own cab firm around the Victoria area. So any of you around the, uh, around the Victoria area, you are guaranteed 10% off your first cab ride you just got to keep your eye out for Taxi Ted. <laughs> so any yellow stripe on a, a battered old Vauxhall that you see, he, he's called Taxi Ted. Uh, yeah, so I'll keep you updated on his future and what, he, and what he's doing now. And anyone that gets a, a, a lift home, then just be aware, be aware of who you're in the motor with. <laughs> uh, hope you enjoy the next podcast. Love you all. Bye. At the end of the last podcast, you addressed the fact that you'd be leaving Spurs after about 10 years. What were the circumstances then around that? Um, done really well, obviously. And I think after, I think it was the UEFA Cup, Keith Birkinshaw d decided to leave the club. And then there was a new regime, which his assistant took over, Shrevesy. And obviously now, you know, being a coach and a manager myself, you... you 
you know, you need to look at all the players, the young players, the squad that you have. Yeah. Um, and kind he, of reassess. Yeah, just reassess and, mm. and look what's going on and, and then decide, are they part of my future? And, and obviously I wasn't, I was in his plans for a while and then that kind of petered out. But I think there was one major turning point. <laughs> what was that? Why are you laughing? Well, you know me, babe. It was one major turning point. I'll let the viewers judge. The viewers or the listeners? Oh, sorry, the listeners. I'll let the listeners judge if this is worthy of leaving a football club. Okay, go for it. Okay, so you know me. Bit of a practical joker, loves a laugh, etc., etc. But there obviously is a, a serious side to me as well. This is the story. Okay, okay so I'm a pro now. I don't have to do any of the Joey work, cleaning up, etc. Um, the new stands built, it's amazing. And all the apprentices have to clean the so so the reserves. The young, the young pros got changed at White Hart Lane in the reserve in the away team changing rooms, and the first team got changed in their first time team changing room. That's right. how, the way it was. And sometimes pre-season we'd train on the actual pitch itself, White Hart Lane. Uh, me and my good friend at the time, Simon Webster, we kind of went to Spurs together at the same time. We were the same age. Decided to, as we're naked, why don't we just slide in and out of the changing rooms? Um, so we so we soaked the floor in soft soap. Now, soft soap, for anyone out there, you, you get a bucket of hot water, you put a whole lump of soap in it, and it dissolves like a fairy into a kind of a fairy liquid. You mop the floor and you clean the floor with it. But it was called soft soap. Right. There was a bucket of soft soap there. Obviously, the apprentices were waiting for us to get out of the changing room so they could clean it. And we decided to mop the floor and slide around the changing rooms. Um, and the shower was way away from the exit of the door. Um, and we decided to go from the... the um, uh, where the players meet in the entrance to go out the tunnel, mm. where they meet in the tunnel, yeah. and then slide into the uh, into the shower room on, on your ass. Right. Great, great thrill. All the lads are there. We're sliding through on our bum at like 10 miles an hour, waving to everyone and stuff like that. And then I said, well, why don't we do it the opposite way around? See if we can actually get, aim it like a bowling ball and get through the three-foot door. Right. And Webbo's gone, go on him, you go first. And I'm like, well, you know me, yeah, all right, I'll have a go. <laughs> so I've come out of the soaking wet showers and I'm sliding now on me bum. The force has taken my head back, so it's like I'm on the luge. I'm going down the luge <laughs> on a toboggan. And, babe, if, if, if you didn't know me, you'd go, you're lying, because you know me and you know, you know, what, you, you know what happens to me. Literally, as I, I'm waving to everybody on the luge going past the change rooms, and as I've gone into the like exiting now out into the tunnel, I've just hit hit, hit something, hit an in, inanimate object. Right. And this inanimate object is landed on me, and then my feet's gone out into the tunnel and stopped me the other side of the tunnel where the first team changing room is, where the home team changing room is. Right. So I'm a little bit dazed, a little bit didn't know what was going on, a little bit woo, a little bit way. You're not going to believe it. I look up and it's Peter Shreves. <laughs> <laughs> so I've taken the manager out 
in oh, his first month, six weeks of naked. naked. And he's landed on me with his floppy Rolex, Leo Gemelli jumper, Farrah trousers and lizard skin loafers. And he's got like a bit of a comb over and his comb over's like all over the place. (laughs) And his face is like a few millimetres away from mine and all I can remember was him looking at me, being very kind of stately about the whole thing. And his words were, I'll never forget until this day, Young Cockrum, can you see me in your office when you get dressed? Oh, no. Yeah. So I was like, yes, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, Pete. Oh, embarrassing. So I got changed, and the only way I can describe it is like a, an execution. I can only think about, you know, people walking the Green Mile. <laughs> you know, and go... <laughs> And going, oh, and just going up there and waiting. And he made me freaking wait. My hair's still too sword and wet. Dressed, tracky or whatever I had on and going in. And he just said to me, what do you think you're doing? And I, you know. What did he say? Well, how do I explain that? I was doing a a naked luge. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, to be honest, everyone fucked up. Did he see the funny side of it at all? No. No. No, no, no. Because it's a... What can we say? It's a slight on 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 somebody in charge. He, he was quite a an arrogant man, a very kind of it's it quite all, straight person. Straight. He, no, he loved to laugh. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, when you go to the status of manager of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, you know, and you've got a young professional naked taking you out, <laughs> you know, you've got to form some some you know some discipline or whatever. And I've got yeah, you find me. Um, How much are you fine? Can you remember? I can't, do you know, I can't remember. I mean, I was, <laughs> he could have fined me 10 grand and I wouldn't have even known. You know, I was in such a daze, really, because I thought it was the end. Um, and in hindsight, it was the end, I think. It was, it was the, you know, a lot, along with a lot of other stuff. But I think it was the final moment of your career <laughs> at Spurs. At so it was the straw that broke the camel's back? Yeah, I think, I think if you like, I got caught doing a few things. Um, I got caught when all, uh, pre-season when all the players were having their photographs taken on, and that they last you the whole seasons. They're on every you know, magazine and kind of... So as the photographer's going along the line and the team line-up, I've got a, a, a wig on and, and kind of throwing faces and stupid faces to Glenn Oddle and all these people right. with stupid wig on, mucking around. And who's behind me? Shrevesy. So... Um, yeah, not my finest moment, not my finest hour, as we say. Um, but, you know, it's a story, isn't it? It's a, great, it's, it's a great story. It is a great story. But I wonder what would have happened if that hadn't have happened. Would you have stayed, think there would be a chance he would have stayed on longer? I'd, yeah, probably a little bit longer, but I think it was the right time to leave. Um, mm. Because as a young man at Spurs, we, we realised... All along, no matter how well you was doing, they had the financial clout to always buy somebody or, or um, you know, find enough money to buy a superstar. It was a superstar. Spurs have always been like that. They've always bought superstars from Lineker, Gascoigne, Waddle, Ardiles, Via, Archibald. They've always kind of been a buying club in that sense. Yeah. So, so I suppose the writing was on the wall in for that, but it was just. I think it was the way it was done. You'd, you'd never do it the way it was done, like today. You, you'd, 
have concern about the player and stuff like that. I think it was all so wrong. So more of like an instant dismissal? Kind Not of an thing, instant, like, I'll never forget it. Me, we were playing for the reserves up at Cheson and me and Webbo were let go. It was funny, we arrived virtually on the same day together and sort of nine, ten, virtually ten years later we were let go together and we weren't picked in the team. We got changed in the kit but we weren't picked in, in the starting eleven, which we were regulars of. Yeah. And we just thought, this is a bit weird, and we, we went off and warmed up on our own, and then Shrevesy come over while we're warming up, warming up away from the team, really, and just saying that, um, oh, I've decided to let you two go. Really? So, yeah, so not only didn't he do it... So just before a match? Just before a match, um, and not as individuals. He kind of lumped us in together, whether or not he was... Um, I don't know. I don't know really whether or not he thought. Well, I'll, I'll bog off. Buy one, get one free. I'll do them both together yeah. um, and get it out of the way. That would never happen these days. No, it wouldn't happen. And also, I think you'd have your, you know, you'd probably call your parents in, or they've probably got agents now anyway. But yeah. I mean, they'd call your parents in or yourself certainly and say, look, you've done amazing. You've been here ten years, been part of the furniture. So yeah, it's kind of harsh, really. Kind of cut with a knife. Um. Yeah, yeah, sad. Sad, really, because, you know, you, you've got to remember that someone has given 10 years of their life from being a real child, 12, 13, and then being 22, to a man, and everyone's seen your uh, progression, not just as a, as a footballer, but as a human being. Um, and they're really, it's a massive gulf, isn't it, from the age of 12 to 22? Yeah. Um, and then to be just sort of kind of swept aside, really, if you like. Yeah, it's like they're having the rug pulled from underneath you completely. Yeah, totally. And it's not just about you either. It's your family's been involved. Your family's part of the furniture. Yeah. Your family's part of the, the fixtures at, at White Hart Lane. So, it, yeah, it was pretty, at the time, it, at the time, devastating. Look at, and even looking back now, kind of devastating in a way. Yes. Do you think you handled it better than Webbo, or do you think you handled it in the same way? Did you sort of come to expect that it was going to happen at some point, and well, do you prepare well, yourself? Well, no, you you can't you can't prepare yourself. I probably <laughs> I was probably well prepared, better prepared than Webbo because I was naked taking the the, the manager out, so I kind of saw something. Mm. Um, but not really, and we had a few months left of our contract anyway. So you, you could still, you know, play football if you were selected and then people, scouts would hear about you and come and watch you and things right, like yeah. that. And, and to be fair to Gary Mabber, who, who went on to captain Tottenham Hotspur, he put um, Bristol Rovers on my case, who eventually signed me in, in the yeah. new year. But what I do remember, funny about it, it's, it's, it's really weird. People might understand this, but when you're let go of somewhere or a relationship is finishing, you kind of play really good football because you've got nothing to lose. Mm. So you were just playing for yourself. You weren't really playing for the team and certainly the other players. You were just playing to uh, show, show your own talent. And I remember one game at White Hart Lane, we were playing West Ham. We had quite a young reserve team out and they had their first team out because their game was called off uh, on the Saturday. So they played their whole first team. They had... Devonshire, Brooklyn, I'm some amazing footballers. And I remember playing in that and having an absolutely worldy of a game um, and flicking the ball up, catching it on the back of my neck, doing foot rollers, 
probably one of my best games I've ever played. And uh, Shreves, he had a go at me after the game in the changing rooms for being a bit flash and arrogant, um, which was... which was. Well, if you caught the ball on the back of your neck during a game... <laughs> yeah, he's got a point. No, he's got a point. I'm not denying it. But by the same token, I suppose it was my way of showing off yeah. and to all the people that were there. Um, and maybe embarrassing him a little bit. If you've been man of the match, I've got man of the match for the game, and then he's letting me go. Yeah. That's kind of a bit of a... But did he ever give you any reasons why he wanted to get rid of you? or? No, I just remember him. saying I, it was all about him, really. I've taken over, I'm in charge now, and you're not going to be part of the... Um, part of my future, how I see it. Mm. So, and that's fair enough. You know, there's no quibbles about that. It happens in football, it happens in life in general. It wasn't that. I just think, you know, for the, it, it could have been, it, I would have handled it differently. A lot of people would have handled it differently, but it was brutal. Yeah. At that time, people don't realise how brutal the game was. You know, not only physically, but emotionally. If you was cast aside, you was cast aside. End of story. So how did you... Um... Tell your parents then, or did you go straight home from that game and tell them what happened? Yeah. And how yeah. did they take it? Um, I don't know really. I, do you know I can't remember? Like that memory is a little bit of a blur. I can't can't say oh my dad was disappointed or gutted or 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 whatever. Um, so I can't really really remember. And also leaving Spurs was like, I suppose, a breakup of a relationship or, or you, it's a death. It's a death because mm. you don't know what's around the corner. You know, it's, you know, so what am I going to do now? Because my life has been so full for 10 years. What is out there now? You've, you've not, you know, your, your mind and your construct has not been programmed to deal with failing and then going, well, what's round the corner now? Yeah. And also your loyalty is probably still with that club, having grown up with it. So then leaving to go to another club must be quite difficult then to then be loyal to that club. How does that work like, with footballers? Because obviously fans don't just chop and change who they support. But yet footballers have to be loyal to their club and then want them to win. And then they then go to a different club. How does that work with a footballer? That's a really good question. Well, if I'm honest, the, the first love, my love for Tottenham, was as great as any supporters because that was my life for 10 years. Yeah. So, but then as you get older and you move from club and you do two years there and you might get transferred, you don't have that same affiliation. You don't have that same... You realise that it's cutthroat. And also you realise that it doesn't mean anything you know, whether you stay there, it's just someone's opinion. You know, I've been, as you know, at Brentford and been loved by a manager and then another manager takes over and he doesn't like you yeah. for whatever that reason is. And that's not, it's not an issue. But what it does, it hardens you to, to, the, to the, the reasoning of a footballer. So you never end up, end up then getting really attached to a club. But that was different with Spurs because you were there as a kid and you'd seen everyone come and go. I mean... I must have played with hundreds and hundreds of schoolboys and youth team players, and you're still there, mm. you know. And it's a love; it's a, it's a it's a deep love for something. And then imagine that that's just taken away from you, mm. you know. But you're still in love. Yeah. You know, you're still in love with the place. So very harsh. 
um, mentally, but, you know, I'm not sitting here griping about it because I had an amazing time, you know, and I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I sit here lucky to play on the, the hallowed turf. So I'm not, I'm not moaning about it, but I would say that, you know, people's feelings and that were definitely not taken into consideration as, as they were now. Well, people knew less about feelings, you know, it was like, yeah. oh, this is the fucking decision, get on with it type yeah. of thing. Um, and, and then, that, you know, you don't realise it's, it's almost like a buffering effect in years, in years down the line. It does affect you. Of course it does, you know, but... But yeah, just so so that was kind of it really. And then my main thing was to nick as much kit from Tottenham as I could, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know that you know memorabilia wasn't what it was now. I mean, just memorabilia everywhere, shirts, etc., yeah. etc. But I have got a shirt from every team from the sixties. So I've got the original Umbro cotton shirt, the freaking Admiral kit, the Klukot kit, you know, of all through the ages. As you know, I've got seven of that, eight of them shirts. Mm. The old towels, the old towels that remind you of the, the, the old swimming pool when you was a kid, when it was the rough towel and it had the, the markings of the Swiss Cottage Lido down it. But I've got Tottenham Hotspur down it. Yeah. I've got the tiles from the old stand. I've got, you know, all those little things that I made sure... <laughs> I nicked when I was when I was kind of leaving. So, so, so you've got that, and and just not a bad word. Well, there's no bad word, you know. I'd, if if I ever met Shreves again, I'd just, I would just say to I would just ask him. Like we're old, he's an old man now, you yeah. know. And I would just say to him, you know, what did you think about that? What's the truth behind it all? And you just want to find out the truth, really, which yeah. we never found out. Yeah. Um. But little did I know that Bristol Rovers were sitting in the stand that, that day and they didn't think that I was a bit arrogant or it was a wrong thing to the do. The scout was there. The scout really? was there and the notes got written up and, that, and that's how I ended up at, at, at Bristol Rovers. So how does that work then when you, the scout comes along? Does the scout just turn up to any match they want to or are they already in conversations with the other club first of all and then they say, oh, come along to this game? Yeah, the you know your name's out there anyway, and um, and then the manager of said club would say, "Can you go along and, and and mark the player? Tell me about his weaknesses and his strengths, and they'll have a rundown. Right, I need a midfield player, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then the report will go back, and then the offer will, will come in, mm. um, which happened. So yeah, so so then I in the summer left. Uh, and went down to uh, Bristol Rovers, <clears throat> and the manager was Bobby Gould. Mm. There's some hilarious stories, obviously, that I'll talk about in, in, in the future a little bit, but just a, a quick example, a little taster Go on, then. to finish off this part of it was, um, yeah, we'd done a pre-season training, really done well, actually. And we was playing an away game. I think, I can't even remember it was, Littlewoods Cup or something like that. Or I think we was playing Wrexham or something. And the gaffer, Bobby Gould, come up to me and he went, oh, Mr. Cockrum, he said, um, we're travelling away. What's your pre-match meal? And I went, um, Dover Soul, easy on the butter. Mm -hmm. And he went, no, egg on toast or beans on toast. And that summed it up for me. <laughs> I've lapped it. <laughs> I have... I'm not at Spurs anymore. No. Dover Soul, are you kidding me? You get that when you win the FA Cup with him. It was, yeah, it was egg on toast or beans on toast. So that was 
a reality check of, come on, son, you're not at Spurs anymore. Yeah. So, and then we'll talk about the hilarities of what happened at Bristol Rovers. Very short-lived career, right? <laughs> was it? I had at Bristol Rovers. But, um, but yeah, and then obviously, you know, we move on to, uh, to Brentford. We'll be... In, in a you know in a couple of podcasts and stuff like that yeah. but yeah just the real I just want to let people know what that was like to leave somewhere after you know if people could imagine being somewhere for 10 years and then the rug being pulled and emotionally how that felt and then what you and then as you know me now about the layers that I build up for protection or mm. <clears throat> you know or the um you know how you deal with rejection or bad times in your life so you know you know and that develops your personality and it's ingrained in my personality to this day, really. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing about your new journey on the next podcast. Well, thanks for listening to, to me reminiscing in that bit because it's, yeah, when you travel back in time and you, you know, invo- evoke those feelings and, yeah, just I should let it go really now. I put it to bed, Cochrane. Let it go, son. <laughs> thanks, babe. Bye. <laughs>